Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 15. If you have your Bibles open, you're welcome to follow it there. I'll try to draw them up on the screen. The Bible says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. You could preach an entire message just on the, the points in there. That, that verse is outlined beautifully. But that's, n- that's not really where we're headed tonight, though it would be bad to go there. Uh, remember, Paul is, is, is speaking to a young preacher named Timothy, and he tells him there is a proper way to behave in the house of God. Just very, very quickly in review, because I'm sure all of you have it memorized since it was two months ago. It was, it was actually uh, almost, it was seven weeks ago uh, since we met just with the changes in our schedule. And we had, uh, I was preaching out of town twice. We had a uh, youth conference at uh, Greater Portland. We had Thanksgiving. And so just all kinds of things that kind of threw things out of whack. So the, the, the first thing that we see is reverence. And God commands us to have reverence. Um, reverence si- simply means a, a holy behavior. It means uh, an awe for the things of God. It's why church is a very different environment than the ballpark or the store. It's, it's just different. And I realize sometimes we run into a little bit of a, a challenge with that because we use a multipurpose facility. But really, our sanctuary, our church, is also used for Awana tonight. It's used for many other things, but don't ever mistake it for what it is. It's one of the reasons why, and, and you know, I, I really, it goes against me to try to correct children when they're running uh, cattywampus. And nobody knows what that is, but they used it in the South, and so if you don't know what that means, that's okay. It means they're going crazy in there. See, one of the problems is there's a lot of time when those kids are allowed to run crazy in there. Um, But not when the chairs are all set up for church and there's choir going on and those kind of things. And we try to keep them off the platform. For a child, sometimes it's it's a little duplicitous. And they're trying to figure out, well, two nights ago, you let me run all over the place. But you do have to kind of teach them. And you teach them this is the Lord's house. And so we want to take take care of it so the first thing we notice is that there was uh, reverence then we also noticed um, the bible says and uh, we're in ecclesiastes i believe be thou more ready to hear uh keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of god be uh, did i do that you have you got that open maybe i touched it okay um i must have hit it with my thumb be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. So the first thing we saw was a reverence, and the second thing, which is hearing. And everybody ought to come to church, including myself, expecting to hear from God. God, uh, God knows you're going to be here when you're here, and he always has something for us. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, uh, whether you, where, where you're at in your stage of your walk with God and your development in the Christian life, whether you're a new Christian or you've been saved for 20, 30 years. Uh, God always has something for each and every one of us. And uh, um, that's that's one of the wonderful things about church. Um, And so when we come, we need to come uh, expecting. We need to come uh, watching. We need to come waiting to hear from God. Then uh, the third thing we saw was coming to the house of God with a broken spirit and a heart. And uh, 
typically this is a heart that is humble. It's a heart that has been, uh, that God can uh, work with and God can mold. It's one that is, is, is bendable, if you will. When uh, um, the Bible talks about the stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, He's talking about those people that you can't tell them. You can't tell them anything. You can't teach them. Uh, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, it's like trying to argue with a fool. Um, the Bible says, for instance, a scorner heareth not rebuke. It doesn't mean you can't give it to them. It just means it's like bouncing off the wall. It doesn't make any sense, and they have bent themselves against it. Um, you Maybe there's been a time when you've uh, tried to teach your child, and your child refuses to hear it. Um, that's a warning sign, by the way. You want to make sure that you win the heart of that child so that when you are giving the instruction, they're not resistant to it. And so when you come into God's house, God wants to work, but he, but he has difficulty working in a, it, it'd be like this. It, it'd be like going out in the middle of a field that hasn't been broken up and trying to plant it. Uh, it's got to be broken up. It's got to be turned over and it's got to be softened and those, those hard clods have got to be broken up. And uh, then it's ready to be planted. And the same thing applies to heart and spiritual matters. It's got to be broken. Uh, in, and that's, uh, in fact, the Bible tells us that uh, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would, it get, would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering for the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Um, that, that's enough about that one. I'll move, move right on to the next one. The fourth one is, is coming with a stillness and awe. We talked just real quickly about uh, people that approach God with arrogance. Um, sometimes you'll hear about those who demand God to do something or they'll command God. Always remember your place, um, and that is... Uh, Man was created by God, not the other way around. And the, the Bible warns us, particularly in the book of Romans, it, it warns mankind about worshiping the creature more than the creator. And sometimes we put more stock in us and our accomplishments. And so we think, uh, but God is not on our level. Uh, we're nowhere near God's level. We're created beings. And so I, I realize that's probably goes without saying but what it means is when you come into the house of God, be ready to listen, not to tell God. Uh, and, and God will speak to us. But uh, don't be rash with our mouth, I think, is how the Bible explains it there in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, the Bible also tells us in Proverbs that a fool uttereth all his mind. Now, uh, those are all in review. And so I want to get to the last, last point, and uh, we'll be done here in just a few minutes. And that is a... Ever, to, to come into the house of God, how to behave in the house of God, well, one thing that ought to be present in the heart of the child of God is love. Um, I think that goes without saying, but I do want to mention a few things. First of all, the Bible says, Matthew 22, verse 37, 38, I'll throw them up here. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. This is the first and great commandment. So the first thing that we ought to have is a love for God. That love for God supersedes everything else. Uh, so you, for instance, sometimes people say, well, I love God, but I love this also. It, be, it, it depends on what the this is. Uh, for instance, uh, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so if you say, well, yeah, but I love God, but I also love this, and it's in 
contrast or contradiction to God, then you really don't love God. Now, I didn't say that. God said that. So it's important when we come into his house, there has to be love in our heart first and foremost for God. It's, uh, I, I would liken it to this. It would be like having the opportunity to visit your family and going to uh, your parents' house. And you walk in there. Well, you're there because of your love and your devotion for your parents. That's why, that's why you came to visit. Um, you may not like everything they say, but they're your mom and dad. That is your father, your paternal and maternal relationships. And you come there out of love for them. Well, to a far greater degree, uh, sometimes people say, well, I don't need to go to church. But it is one of the key ways you can demonstrate your love for your father is by going to his house. Can you imagine if I had the opportunity to spend time with my father (coughs) physically, earthly father, and my mother now, and I never took advantage of it? By the way, I'd give anything to do that now. I, I mean, I really would. If I, if I knew I had one more opportunity to do it, I'd get on a plane and make it happen. And sometimes we think, we think about God's house and it becomes, it becomes secondary to us in terms of its importance. And by the way, I realize I'm preaching to the crowd. You're here on a Thursday night. You're typically the core of the church. Um, and you're not just, this is not just Sunday morning only people. And I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. Don't misunderstand me and don't, don't, please don't misread that. I'm saying that if you're here on a Thursday night, you're pretty faithful in church. But it's important that we come to God's house, first of all, with a love for him. Then secondly, with a love for his house. Um, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He also said further, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to, to inquire in his temple. Can you imagine if you had run one request, would it be church? And that was David's request. This is probably another reason, I'm sure there were many, why God said David was a man after his own heart. Because he said one thing, I'm asking for one thing, and that is I don't want to leave your presence. I want to be where you're at. I want to hear from you. I want to inquire of you. That means your opinion is what matters in my life, not anybody else's. And so there's got to be a love for God. And then secondly, a love for his house. Uh, He went on to say, um, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. So David clearly saw the distinction between God's house, the church, and everything else. And it's important for us, again, I realize Thursday night, as I said moments ago, um, but, but it's important for us to not only know that and give a, uh, a uh, mental assent to it, but keep it in the forefront so that we keep it in practice. So he had a love for God and a love for his house. Then uh, sec- thirdly, a love for his priorities, the things that matter to him. Because at the end of the day, what matters to God ought to be the things that matter to us. The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So what matters to God? Well, we know a number of things. We know his word matters, so it ought to matter to us. We know his house, his church matters, so it ought to matter to us. We know his people matter, so they ought to matter to us. We know that souls are reaching the lost matter. By the way, I, I, uh, I had a, f- a friend of mine who drove from Pennsylvania to, the, to Andy's uh, service on Monday. And Monday, uh, Monday night, I was at the hotel, 
and getting ready ready for bed and uh, because Tony and I left the hotel uh, I don't know like four o'clock in the morning I love those early morning flights but um, but it was late and I got a message from from my friend and in Ohio he said he stopped at a rest stop and a lady came up to him and handed him a gospel track and it was Andy Bailey's mother and he had been at the funeral for Andy Bailey and so here's his mom just watching her son get buried and she's busy about what matters to him um, and by the way his his mom is still a bus captain in her 70s and she has had the same bus route for over 40 years it's no wonder we had Andy Bailey and uh, when he texted me that he, he said you'll, you'll never believe what just happened to me and, I, and he, he told me he said I'm at a rest stop. This elderly lady walks up and gives me a gospel track and asks me if I know for sure I'm going to heaven. And it was Andy's mom. Man, what a testimony that is. I think Andy knew what mattered to God because his mother and his father taught him what mattered to God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. By the way, you can't make up those kind of illustrations. Yeah, that 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 was absolutely the Lord, and uh, what a what a great testimony, uh, certainly that is. So we see a love for God, a love for His house, a love for His priorities, because most of what really matters to you and me doesn't really matter to God. You know, I was thinking, um, Andy was a was a huge sports nut, huge, and loved Michigan, um, and so one of the things that Jen and the girls wanted to do, they asked me. They said, would you record the Michigan game? And they, they said, we, we really, at the end of the service, that's the reason we didn't have a meal or anything. They wanted to go to the house, and they wanted to put on Michigan gear for Andy and watch the football game, and the football game was awful. Uh, Michigan got destroyed. And so, uh, yeah, after a while, you know, Jen just said, you can go ahead and turn it off. We don't have to watch anymore. And... Uh, you know, but I, but I was thinking, you know, they, someone said, you know, he's probably up there with his dad watching it. But then the thought occurred to me, I don't think it really matters to them. Because, I, you know, sometimes you hear people say, pray for our team. I don't think those things really matter in the scope of eternity. I, I don't think that God is disinterested in his people. You know, I think uh, Tim Tebow, who puts John 3.16 on his, on his shoe black, that he, you know, University of Florida, there you go, Dave. Um, and, and puts that on there, and it becomes the most Googled phrase that uh, thing for that particular week when he did that in the national title game. I think that's a good thing. But I don't think they're up in heaven looking at box seats trying to watch who's going to win the BCS. I, I don't think that's a big deal in eternity. I'll be watching it. It'll matter to me. But it really doesn't matter in the, in the scope of eternity. And most of what we get wrapped up in here in this life it's things that don't matter in eternity. And so when God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it doesn't mean that I can do everything else. No, it says that all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, God will take care of everything else. So what matters to him? Uh, then uh, let me say this uh, next to the last point, and that is a love for his kingdom. A uh, new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Yeah, no, wrong verse. That was me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we talk about love for his kingdom. 
our number one responsibility in this life is to populate heaven. That's it. It doesn't matter what our job is, our vocation, the skills and gifts that God has given various people to enable that to happen. Some people work good jobs, make good money, and, and give good gifts and, and, tithes and their tithes and offerings that help uh, allow the gospel to be spread. But at the end of the day, the only real question is what am I doing f- that is impacting eternity? Uh, wh- what am I doing that is going to make a difference long after I'm gone? And so we see love for God, love for his house, love for his priorities, love for his kingdom. And then finally, uh, the last verse that I want to share with you from John chapter number 13, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. And that is this. So we have a love for God, love for his house, love for his priorities, love for his kingdom, and then a love for one another. One of the things that probably has encouraged me as, as much as anything through this is how good people have been to uh, Jen and the girls. Um, it should always be that way. Um, this is, a, this is a, a, a very unique thing. Um, probably most of us in here have never experienced anything like this, not, not just the death of a loved one, but I mean our assistant pastor and someone that your kids have been under for the last year. Uh, someone that many of you have grown to know and love. Um, and so we've seen God's people come together in a great way. But the truth is, it shouldn't take an extreme event to see that. It ought to be something that is so clearly practiced by God's people with such regularity that it never catches anybody by surprise. And if, uh, you know, I have one, one of our men said to me uh, today, and, uh, you know, I I really prayed that the Lord would allow me to keep it together because I didn't want to cry. Not that I'm opposed to crying, but I I wanted to be able to um, honor Andy and I wanted to be able to comfort the family. And uh, but there's a few times when I lost it. And uh, the the gentleman from our church told me, he said, you know, he said uh, he said, when you cried he said I started crying he said as soon as that happened my son reached up and squeezed my hand and he said it's the first time my son's ever seen me cry and he said so the fact that you were willing to cry in front of us was a good thing I don't know whether it was or not but but I know this God's love was demonstrated through his people in the midst of a difficult time and it still will be in the weeks and months to come but it should be so regular it never catches anybody by surprise. Anytime everyone, uh, anyone in this, in this church and God's people hurt, we ought to rally to them. And we ought to be the, the type of church that says when one hurts, we all hurt. Um, you know, it's like uh, y- you smash your thumb, the rest of your body is running to its aid. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, you, you've got one focus. And that's my thumb. Now, this arm is great. My head's fine. My, my knee's not bugging me. But man, this thumb right here, all of your attention is focused on that one thing. And so, so such should be the case for, for God's people. So clearly, one of the greatest things that we see about our behavior in the house of God is love ought to be very present. Love for God, love for his house love for his priorities, what matters to him, love for his kingdom, and especially love for 
one another. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask again that you'd continue to help us, and we pray that you would uh, bless in the uh, days ahead. Uh, be with us the balance of this week. We ask for your help this weekend with our prayer meeting for the men and our, our prayer breakfast and, and our faith share, the opportunities to give the gospel uh, during this uh, holiday season especially. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to have love for the right things and especially love for you and love for one another. And Lord, again, help us to go with us now and give us good services on Sunday. We do pray for your help in all we do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you, uh, 